Pozdrav svima! Linux for everyone sluša se i u Hrvatskoj. Welcome home! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Linux for Everyone. This is episode five, and uh, I want to call attention real quick to that tag that you heard during the theme song. A big warm greeting to all 47, 48 of you listening in the beautiful country of Croatia. All right, I'm just going to jump straight into it because I know last week's episode was a bit on the longer side, and there is a ton of stuff happening in this episode. It's a big show. I have a big guest. His name is Barton George from Dell. You may know him better as the lead guy behind Project Sputnik and the Dell Developer Edition laptops. So I'll be talking to him in just a few minutes. But first, let's jump right into our discovery of the week. So the question I have for you is, have you heard of distrotest.net? I stumbled across this website a few months ago and wrote it up on Forbes. But every time I bring it up, whether it's on our Telegram group or on Reddit or on Twitter, people are saying, oh man, I haven't heard of this before. So I think it bears repeating because it's such a cool, useful service and it's completely free. The name of the site is DistroTest. Essentially, what this website lets you do is load up more than 234 unique operating systems. And within those 234 operating systems, there are 749 versions. So as a really basic example, let's say you want to explore the differences and maybe kind of track the historical uh, progress of Ubuntu 16.04 to 18.04 to 18.10 to 19.04. You can do that. You simply click the distribution, you click start, and away you go. You can do basically whatever you want while you're in that VM. You can use all the functions of the operating system, uninstall and install software, delete or format the hard disk and even the system files, and it all fires up in a VM. It's browser-based, and it's fairly quick. And you can even do this on a tablet-based browser, a mobile phone-based browser. It's really, really incredible. And now back when I wrote about them, I kind of crashed their server. And they went down for a few days. Uh, they came up with some more robust server scripts and a little bit of uh, extra hardware. And just recently, I think it was just a week or two ago, they finally added a donation button. Your donations go to their energy costs, their hardware, the development, the domain, and, and things like that. It is such, it's just such an invaluable resource, and I want everybody to know about it, Linux users and non-Linux users alike, because it's just far too easy to, okay, I've had this recent curiosity with tiling window managers, and so I want to check out uh, Regolith Linux, which is basically Ubuntu with the i3 window manager on top. And for these hundreds of distros, you don't even have to use 
It's the easier way, of course, but you don't even have to use their site directly. For each session, it will give you a uh, server address and a port, and so you can connect to it with a VNC client as well. And it's just, it's it's so, I'm as you can tell, I'm kind of amazed by it, because it, it lets you scratch that itch right away. It lets you remove a little bit of the curiosity, save some time. Maybe you don't want to download a 234 gigabyte ISO and install it on bare metal. Maybe you don't even want to run it inside of a virtual machine. And so this gives you that that first taste, that first impression that can be really important when you're choosing what distro you want to run with. And they have a blurb on the site that, that really drives this home. Their goal is to find the most suitable operating system for you. And they say that every Linux user has three important W questions. Which distribution is the best for me? Which graphical interface do I want? And which configuration options do I have? And so the fact that you can jump in there, whether you're a server admin, a programmer, or just a regular old user like me, and modify system files and run scripts and test everything out is pretty fantastic. Now, there's only one downside, and it's it's not even a bad downside. It's a fair restriction, I think. You're normally limited to, I think, 30 or 60-minute sessions, but... You can extend those after about 15 to 20 minutes by just clicking extend. And I have to imagine their bandwidth costs are fairly hefty, so it's understandable. Anyway, I hope you spread this thing around like wildfire because it is a fantastic tool. All right, let's get into some housekeeping, and I'll try to keep this very brief and very informative. Number one, if you want to connect with me and other members of the community, that listen to Linux for Everyone. We're on Telegram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Discord. And you can get links to all of those platforms over at linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. And if you'd like to support this show with your hard-earned money, I would really appreciate that. I have a Patreon set up. That is patreon.com slash linuxforeveryone. There's a couple different tiers The coolest one is $4 a month, and that gets you early access to each episode, and it also gets you 320k MP3 audio. And a big, big, big thank you to all 27 of my patrons. I I love you guys. Thank you so much for showing your support and, and your enthusiasm for what I'm doing. Now, there's one other thing I want to shine a light on. And that is a little open source project that I started a few months back before this show kicked off. I don't even know what to call it, but it's on GitHub. It's it's basically an exhaustive wiki page for contributing to free and open source software of all kinds, whether it's servers, music apps, video editing software, Linux distributions. And what we're trying to do with this is not just point people to a donate page, but also point people to other ways that they can get involved. And and this project also doubles as an educational outreach of sorts, helping identify how people can help, whether that's marketing and advocacy, whether it's testing, filing bug reports, helping with documentation, uh, fielding community questions or support, doing translations, 
getting creative with uh, art and photography, or simply donating. There's already a lot there, and what I want to do is eventually publish this to a website and have it live there and be organic and, and constantly evolving. So you can find the link to that GitHub repo over at, you guessed it, linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. So my very special guest on this episode is Barton George, the lead for Linux and community in Dell's client group, or as most people know you, the Project Sputnik guy. Exactly. Well, thank you, Jason, for having me on. Yeah, you I, bet. What can I tell you? What do you, what do you want to know? I'm, I'm here to, to tell all. Well, I mean, you teased me with some kind of cool embargoed information, and uh, so I'm here, to, I'm here to squeeze that out of you. Well, cool. Well, we can kick off with that. So the Sputnik beat keeps marching on. So we've, we're introducing tomorrow the 7390, which is the latest version of the XPS 13. And that's the ninth generation. We launched our first one back in uh, November of 2012. So the, uh, we've been hitting it at, at a regular cadence and I'm excited that we, we keep on going and we plan to keep on going for a while. So can you talk a little bit about what is the fundamental difference between the regular XPS systems that you sell and the developer edition XPS laptops? Well, the main difference is the fact that it has Ubuntu preloaded. It also has all the drivers written, um, which actually makes it work. And so what we've done since uh, 2012 is we've worked with Canonical and then device manufacturers to get those drivers written. And then once we do, we get them pushed up to the mainline Linux kernel so that others can use them. And I should also say, too, is we deliver it with Ubuntu, but because we push the uh, device drivers up to the kernel, you as the customer can, can put on whatever distro that you want. So if you want to run Manjaro or Arch or Debian, so uh, Linus Torvalds has one of these and he runs Fedora on his. I can, as a, as a distro hopper, I can attest to that. I have, I have the uh, XPS 9370. Interestingly, Dell sent me that as a Windows review unit, but then I threw Linux on it. So I, I think it, it might be a slightly different when it comes to the Intel Wi-Fi but my point being is that I probably threw 9, 10, 11 different distributions on that in a period of six months, and they all just worked. It's always good to hear that what we're, telling, we're ta- telling our customers is actually the truth. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, that is something that's very important to us. So is there any difference between the, um, the Windows edition laptops and the developer edition ones when it comes to the hardware? I think one generation we actually had... Uh, a different wireless card that we were able to offer. In general, they're, they're the same hardware. In, in fact, so one thing is we don't offer those systems that come with a fingerprint reader because um, the Linux is not in a place at this point where we feel comfortable offering it to the customers, the support for the fingerprint reader. And so in that case, we just don't offer that, um, that configuration. You know, that's interesting. Going back to what you were talking about earlier, developing the drivers, you know, sending that progress upstream to benefit everybody, you must work with a lot of different component manufacturers. What is the the obstacle with the fingerprint reading functionality in Linux? 
you know, that's not something that I really know too much about. And I think one of the things that does is it points to the fact that it really isn't just me uh, driving this project. And I think that I may be the one who's sort of um, out there talking about it, but we have a whole team on the back end who does a ton of work. And this is a lot of this work is shared across our overall Linux portfolio. And I think as, as you and I talked about last year, we have uh, over 160 platforms that we enable with Linux, which was something that when I was just the Sputnik guy, I really wasn't aware of. And so now that I'm overseeing the whole Linux portfolio, I'm, I'm aware of how much broader the whole portfolio is. And we should, we should underscore that. 160 plus unique platforms shipping with Linux. And that number goes up and down as we uh, EOL certain products and bring on new products. And we're, we're always looking to make sure that the, the money we're, we're using to certify that is going towards the, the platforms that are most benefit our customers. All right. So, so talk a little bit about the hard, let's get into the hardware. Let's get into like the tech specs and the, you know, let's geek out over that. What, what's coming in the, the new developer edition? So the main difference from what we, the 9380, and as we talked about, um, I don't know who did it, but they threw us a curveball because we had been marching along nicely to the 9360, 9370, 9380. And of course, intuitively next on the list is what? 7390. Who wouldn't have thought of that? Um, so, um, but anyway, the difference between the 9380 and the 7390, see how easy it is to remember, um, is the, is the chip. So this is Comet Lake, right? So in Intel's 10th generation, uh, Intel core processor, and that's, that's the big, um, big difference along with the killer wireless card, which at this point is built on, it's built now on the Intel Wi-Fi six chipset. It's listed by, by killer, but the guts are from Intel. So still, it's still going to have that dazzling 4K Infinity Edge screen. The the camera is going to be on top, yes. right, and not yes. not the not the older generation nose cam. Yes, exactly. Which is the one that I have, but I still love that machine. Right, and my the precision I'm using now is yes, indeed, it's got the the nose cam. So thank goodness we're only doing this uh, over audio. For people that are hearing us say Project Sputnik and kind of scratching their head, tell us a little bit about this group and and what you guys do specifically. Sure. So just to, to take a step back for context, Dell has been offering Linux on PCs, workstations, and servers for over 20 years now. What Project Sputnik came, when it came about, which was back in 2012, the difference was is that we put it on our premium laptop. So we had been um, targeting Linux at, at people who were on our more utilitarian models. Let's just, let's just put it that way. And so Sputnik was enabled by an innovation fund, internal innovation fund, which was the, the thought behind that was let's get people within Dell to pitch ideas to us. And if we think it's an interesting idea, we'll give them six months and a little pot of money to see if they can make that fly. And so the idea that I came in with, and it really isn't, wasn't my idea either, it was somebody else had suggested, hey, why don't you load Ubuntu on a Dell laptop, have the, the drivers written, and uh, you'll have a product that a lot of the developers would like. That was the great idea. The innovation fund then became the, the vehicle for that because 
the volumes that we're talking about in Project Sputnik, which started out with the XPS 13 laptop and then expanded to the precision mobile workstations, is really small when you continue, I'm sorry, when you compare it to our overall Linux line. That being said, it's still a pretty healthy, um, pretty healthy business if you compare it to most businesses out, out uh, in the wild. So first thing I did when they gave me the green light to, to see if this would, would fly is I came over to the product side and got a bunch of people who were really passionate about this. Uh, in fact, one of the, the lead engineers was, wasn't even on the client side of the house. He was on the server side, but he was so into Linux uh, that he wanted to, in fact, his license plate says Debian. Um, he came over and joined the cause um, and ended up sticking with us for about six years. What really pushed us over the edge was a, uh, and we solicited people for a beta program. We thought, okay, we'll probably get 300, 400 people. Uh, and we got 6,000 people around the world who, who wanted, to, um, wanted to join in. And so that told us that, okay, there's some real interest. Let's turn this into a, a real product. And I should, I should also add too, is when we launched it, we solicited input from the community and we said, what would you like to see in a Linux laptop if you had your, had your desires as a developer? And the, the results that came back were really not that um, unachievable. There were things like, don't make it more expensive than Windows. Don't have Windows pre-installed. Have at least eight gigs of, uh, of memory, uh, of RAM. And these types of things pointed to the appetite in the industry for a Linux system, uh, the bar was really low. And so we then took that information, created an ISO on a really rough ISO on the XPS 13, put it online and had people uh, kick the tires on it. And we were very open when we posted it saying, here are some of the things that don't work at this point that we're working on. Uh, the biggest one being the touchpad. And so we continued to work with Cypress on that uh, till we got it uh, fixed. But I think the interesting thing is once just pointing to the pent up desire for Linux laptops, people dove in right away and they were, they were willing to play with this ISO uh, and, and getting it, get it going. So we were, uh, we were very excited that we were able to, to work with folks who really did want something like this. Do you, do you have any sense of that appetite for a Linux laptop that you mentioned earlier? Do you, have it, do you have any sense of that appetite growing? I think from our point of view, it's, we have, our volume keeps going up. And a lot of that is because it's, it's a, a lack of awareness in the beginning. So people aren't necessarily familiar with it. And so as we start growing, because we don't have a huge marketing budget, we're not advertising on TV the way we get the word out is things like I'm doing now with you, which is a, a podcast. We'll do, we'll get reviews. I blog, we tweet, uh, we give some away at shows. And so that's sort of the word of mouth kind of way that we get the message out there. And then I think also there's a group that's coming over from Max who are dissatisfied with the way the systems are these days. And it's not a, it's not a mass exodus, but there's definitely folks who, as they become aware of the XPS 13 or the Precision Mobile Workstation, are looking to to give it a give it a whirl. In fact, my fate one of my favorite quotes from uh, Hacker News was somebody who posted and said, "Well, I didn't see that coming." 
uh, Dell making a better MacBook Pro than Apple. So um, I think that that's a, definitely a, a group that we're working. So back to your question, less, the, uh, less about growing the whole pie than uh, developer pie, but then getting people to switch to Linux and then also uh, people, some of the people who are already using Linux, getting them to, to switch to, to Dell. It's interesting that you were talking about marketing budget and overall awareness of the systems, because we both know that, as you said, the volume is increasing, but it still seems really hard to actually find these developer editions. For example, if I go to Dell.com and I type in developer edition, I might get a lot of different results that aren't even a computer. Um, And then if I look at the you know, various uh, XPS pages, sometimes I won't see an option for Ubuntu as the operating system. How are you guys dealing with that? And and do you have any plans to raise that visibility a little bit? Yes, definitely. You're, uh, you hit the nail on the head and it's something that's very frustrating for us and we are working on it. Um, I think one of the things is we have the landing page for uh, Project Sputnik, which is Dell.com slash Sputnik, uh, Dell.com slash developer, and Dell.com slash developers. All those get you to the same place. Uh, and we are actually relaunching that. We have had, we had that from the very beginning, and it was a good page. It wasn't, uh, wasn't going to win any beauty contest, but the one that we're going to be launching in the next few days is actually, it fits the same template that the rest of Dell.com. It's this responsive template, and it looks much slicker. And so we'll start out with the products that make up Project Sputnik, which are the XPS 13s, the Precision Mobile Workstations, and we've also put in the Precision uh, Tower Systems. And what we'd like to do is over time grow that because, as we talked about, we have 160 platforms, uh, and maybe not all those are, are available everywhere, but there's definitely more than we could more that we could put onto that page. Uh, on the other side of the house, which I used to work, the we have tons of servers that, that come with, uh, in fact, all our servers are enabled for Linux and to, to create a page for that as well, because we're making it very difficult for people to find the products and we want to sell them. Customers want to buy them. And that's a, that a, a putting friction in the way is not good for anyone. So we're, we're looking at putting together the page, uh, redoing the page, but we also need to do search. And so that's one thing that fixed search. And that's one thing that is the next thing we tackle once we, we relaunch the page. And we've already started talks to make sure, as you pointed out, that if you search on Linux or you search on Ubuntu, you get things that are only, that only come with or only support uh, those words, right? And oftentimes you'll get, uh, I don't really want to say, but uh, Lexmark printers and things like that. Uh, and so that's, that's some low-hanging fruit. Uh, at least intuitively. Now, within the web page, uh, it may be a little trickier to do, but those are the types of things that we can do to help grow the amount of systems we sell is make them easier for customers to find and buy. We regularly get uh, dinged on that uh, over social media. Uh, So we are aware of it and we are working on it. Well, I think that's the first step is, you know, so many companies won't even admit that they're aware of it. And I think the fact that you guys are continuously acknowledging that and trying to work towards something better is awesome. Yes, the first pro- the first uh, step in in recovery is admitting you have a problem. So yes, we <laughs> uh, we do see that, um, and, and I think we're also getting 
I'm feeling more momentum at this point. And, and I should say that the support for Sputnik over the last seven years has, has sort of fluctuated just depending on who's been in the different roles, uh, a bit more of on the, on the informal side. And I think when we did the, the launch that's, uh, that's coming up, it's actually a much broader launch than just the XPS 13. It's a, it's a unveiling of our new consumer line across all our PCs. And so within that blog post, uh, XPS in general, XPS 13 gets a, a paragraph and then the developer edition even gets a sentence within that. Now you may think, okay, just a sentence. What's, what's that a big deal about? But I'm sorry for interrupting you, but you know, I used to work at AMD and I understand how hard you have to fight to get even a few words in those press releases. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I do and get I, it. I do get it. That is meaningful. Besides just getting the sentence in there, I think one of the things that was more energizing uh, was the fact that the, the senior VP who runs that whole group, without, without uh, being asked, wrote, uh, wrote back to our PR person and, and asked how, he could be, how we could beef up that sentence around the developer edition. So it's it's now getting much more uh, visibility and it's not just sort of, Hey, that's a great project that we, we, we have on the side that, that serves developers, but it's something that we want to make more noise about. That's really awesome. Who exactly is your target audience for these systems? Well, I think what it's been until now is it's been web developers and, and that's how we loosely define them. We recently did a survey that we fielded with Canonical just to learn more about who is, who is using the, these systems. Uh, and we'll be able to, to publish the, the results of that hopefully pretty soon. Um, but one of the areas that we're looking at, for example, sub area is um, Android developers. So there are people who develop on Android who are using our systems, but what might we be able to do that would make it even more appealing? To them, and what what kind of software might we need to do? What kind of uh, tweaking might we be able to do? So now, one of the key audiences we're focusing on is data scientists, and more specifically, those data scientists who are working in the area of machine learning, deep learning. So what we're doing is we're taking our precision workstation line, both the tower and the highest end of our uh, mobile workstation, the 7740. And we are seeing what we can do to make it more appealing to data scientists. And one of the chief ways we're doing this is we're working with NVIDIA and taking their data science workstation stack and making it so that it runs well on Dell's uh, workstations so that data scientists can, can get a uh, precision workstation. They can load the data science workstation software stack and away they go what the data science workstation is comprised of at a very high level is it's got the rapid software. It's got various different forms of CUDA, and then it has um, industry standard open source packages like PyTorch, TensorFlow, CAFE, uh, all, all integrated into one software stack. Um, and so this is an area that we're, we're seeing as uh, one that can, can benefit from what we have in the, in the way of the precision line. One of the reasons why we're looking at it is because a vast majority of these people are already running on Ubuntu. So we're not having to enter a market and explain why uh, Ubuntu or why Linux in general is, is a good choice for them. That is already the choice. And then how do we enhance it on top of that? 
there's been a lot of discussion lately in the Linux community about the fact that the community itself can give back to open source and to Linux distributions and contribute to them without having to know, you know, programming, without having to be a code monkey, without having to just give money. There's so many things that we can all do to to better benefit the community at large and the ecosystem. What kind of things can Dell fans, developer edition fans, Project Sputnik fans, what kind of things can they do to maybe raise awareness of what you guys are doing and get involved? I think, so first of all, just to, to talk to your, your main point, I think that's a very good point. And everyone says code talks, and that's definitely true. But if you just have a bunch of coders, your project's not going to, um, not going to grow uh, as, as big as it could. And I think you, there's a lot of people, as, as boring as it may sound, is doc writers, right? That's very important for, um, for a project. And then you have people who might be tweeting and doing marketing and, and scheduling meetups. And I think... We're, we are exactly on the same page because I wrote an entire article about this and you just nailed the, to the first two on the list. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's the thing is it's, it, I think that's one of the other things is that how inviting is that community? And if it's if it has this sort of a you know only the the smartest of the smart get in here and if you can't code well then we don't need you I think that's really going to limit your uh, your project and so getting people involved inviting folks in who who have that thought that well I have nothing to contribute because I don't code I think that's that does a disservice to your project on the Sputnik side or Dell Linux I think it's it's just getting the word out and I think. We have been very lucky with regards to social media that people will talk about how much they love their systems. That being said, we also get, as you're aware, we get people saying, hey, I had a problem with X or Y. And I think that's a good way, too, for us to learn about what issues people may be having and then to be able to address those issues. And I think one of the great things with social media is while you get uh, sometimes called to task publicly, you also then have that opportunity to address those issues. And then what, how you address it is also then done publicly. And I, and I think it's a great way to gain the trust of customers to show that you're legitimately listening and taking your, their feedback. And I think oftentimes we talk about the, the web page and sometimes there's glitches and I'll get a tweet saying, how come the XPS 13 in, in Canada is $3,000? And it will turn out because somehow there was an internal glitch and no, it's not really $3,000. And that is a, as well as things like I'm having trouble with, with this. Are you aware of that? We have a lot of folks on the team, but on this side, we could, we could do with, with more help and we are getting it. So that's one thing we're looking at is to beef, beef up our, our community side of the Sputnik uh, program. And so while we're doing that, people talking up the, the product and also when things are said about it, chiming in and saying, hey, that may be your experience, but I've found this to be the case. I have to say, I was surprised on Twitter the other day. It was a few days ago. The, the Dell Cares Twitter account said, interested in installing Ubuntu or Linux on your Dell PC? We can help. Read our tutorials and knowledge base articles online. And I was like, that's amazing. And I retweeted it and I was like, more of this, please, Dell. Um, that was just nice to see. I'm not, ex I'm not even really asking you for a comment on it. I just, 
I just wanted to put it out there that um, it was refreshing to see that on such a, a visible Twitter account. No, and I think that's that's fantastic because um, for for all the times that that certain people in the past have said, you know, we don't we don't support Linux, uh, it's gotten much better now to the point, as you're saying, that we've actually got them proactively tweeting about how we are supporting Linux and how we can help people. That's fantastic. All right, before I let you go, new developer editions. When can we get our hands on them? On September 5th, the developer edition will be available in both the U.S. and Europe, and then Canada will follow the U.S. by about two weeks. Uh, so this is about a, um, about a week, 10 days behind the Windows edition, and in both cases, the Windows and the Ubuntu, we're going to launch first on the ICE 5 um, processor. And then when we expand to i7, Ubuntu and Windows will launch simultaneously, and that will be in, in October. So both U.S. and Europe for both Ubuntu and Windows all are going to launch in uh, October. And this is the i7, as I mentioned, with the i7 the i7 hexacore. You know what? I lied. I do have one more question. <laughs> I know you're going to hate me for asking this. Um, is there any possibility of us being able to buy a developer edition laptop with a super key instead of a Windows key? We get that question a lot. The would just say that the effort it would take would better be spent on other ways of improving our customer experience. That's a fair answer. And it would probably add to the cost as well, right? Right. And just the, and the, the resources would, that it would divert, uh, as I said, it would be much better making sure that all the drivers work and that everything is rock solid. I can appreciate that. Maybe, maybe ship a super sticker that we can put on. Um, I'd love <laughs> just, to. I would, I would love to. I don't know. Some kind of, I don't know. I'm just playing with ideas but you are not the first to bring that up <laughs> and you won't be the last uh, i believe that well listen thank you very much for taking time out of your day to uh join the show and talk about all this geeky linux stuff with us is there anything else that you want to throw out there maybe your twitter account or your your blog or anything that's on the horizon sure so if if people want to follow what myself and the program are doing my Twitter handle is at Barton808. Because you're wondering, 808 is the area code for Hawaii, where I grew up. Uh, and then my blog is bartongeorge.io. And we used my blog as the platform for, for getting the news out. And that originally was because we wanted to sort of set it apart from regular Dell. Not that we're, not that we're trying to say we're not part of Dell, because that we are definitely part of it. And that's, that's how we can do a lot of what we do, but we wanted to give it a bit of a separate uh, flavor. The, uh, the Sputnik train keeps a rolling. So I can't tell you exactly when the next one is going to hit, but um, look, look for things to keep marching on as the, as the generation numbers will go higher and higher. Well, I think that's what matters, right? It's the fact that the portfolio is expanding and the interest is growing, and you guys keep working on it and, and improving things. And I, and I should say, too, that that wasn't always a foregone conclusion. Uh, there, was, there was a time probably after our third generation where it looked like resources were going to be reassigned. And I thought, well, you know what? We gave it a good run, pat ourselves on the back, uh, and uh, we can all call it a day. Not that we wanted to, but it looked it was going to go that way. And yet we, we escaped the, uh, the reassigning of resources. And here we are six generations after that. And the interest 
both internally and externally, seems to keep on growing. Well, keep it up, and thank you. Jason, thank you so much for having me on the show. You bet. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care. I have to say, I always love talking to Barton because he's just so frank and forthcoming about things. There's a definite advantage to talking to someone important from a big company like Dell, but someone who's not in that marketing or PR position. And after we stopped recording, Barton actually said he would love to return to the show at some point and just geek out about stuff and step out of that work role a little bit. So I think, uh, I think I'm going to have to schedule him for something in the future. Okay, gang, I originally had an entire community voice segment scheduled for this episode. But you know what? I'm going to save it for episode six. It's a fairly meaty discussion. There's a bunch of audio feedback from you guys, from the community, and I don't want to shortchange that. So I'm going to devote a little bit of extra time on the next episode for that instead. So as always, I will take you out with another song from the source. And I don't have the artist to introduce it this time around, but it's a fantastic track. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of Supergiant Games. Uh, They made Bastion, and they also made a game called Transistor, which has this real steampunk vibe to it. And this artist, Red Ambassador, has a track called Time. And it reminded me a lot of the soundtrack for Transistor, and so I was instantly hooked by that. This song is actually taken from the best of LMMS Volume 2, which I highly recommend you check out, especially if you're into more electronic music. So Red Ambassador used LMMS Audacity and a bunch of other open source tools and plugins for this song, and it just sounds really, really good, especially if you're listening to this one with headphones. You can find the artist at redambassadormusic.com or on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on a bunch of other places. And I'll have those linked in the show notes at linuxforeveryone.fireside.fm. Without any further ado, this is Time by Red Ambassador. I'll see you guys soon for Episode 6. And in the meantime, take care and take care of each other.